as streams are in the desert, and the rose that blooms in the same. I, God, will speak into your impossible situation, and I will bring great, powerful deliverance. You must believe me when all seems hopeless that I am a God of hope. You must trust and know that I am a God who can make the impossible happen. I am a God of great power. Look under the heavens and trust and know. Lean hard upon my abilities and my power, says the Lord. Do not lean on your own wise and misunderstood understanding, but trust and know that I am a God of great power. And I am here today to minister to the needs of my people. Amen. Would you lift your hands and honor the presence of the Lord? Fill this place. I don't know who you are, but the Holy Spirit would take the time in the middle of this service to speak to your need. Normally, the Holy Spirit would confirm and seal the work at the end of it. But uh, you may maybe not have had the wonderful experience being able to be with him in church. Uh, Rob Novell is with us today and his daughter. And they're here up from Georgia. And Rob grew up in this church. His mom and dad, uh, Charles and Barb Novell, were uh, on staff here at the church for many years as our music uh, pastors and uh, did a wonderful job. The reputation was amazing. And Charles went on and has is, is impacted uh, thousands and thousands of people in the music industry and Christian music, uh, recordings and, and all kinds of things. Known for piano. And uh, Rob has taken on that beautiful gift and he plays a beautiful piano, and he's full of a great word. He preached a great message this morning that you're going to enjoy the second service. But Rob grew up here. We love him. As far as we're concerned, he's home, and I'm excited to be able to bring him back to Stratford this morning to minister. Rob, come and minister to us. Welcome home. All right. Good morning, everybody. was preaching up here. I love it. It's pretty cool how God works. You go somewhere to preach, he supplies you a sermon at the same time. That's pretty awesome.
don't know what you may have come in here with today, what you're facing, what you're battling. I do know that Revelations 5 and 5 says that the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. And there is nothing that you're facing. Whatever name somebody tries to put on your situation, whatever a doctor says about a report, it doesn't matter. There's one name under heaven that trumps every name. And it says that the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every knee confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. are coming to serve you, and as they do, I want us to give today, to uh, do our, in lieu of our missions offerings, we're going to be blessing the ministry of Rob Novell, so I want you to help us dig deep and give as a gift of love for him as he's come home to be with us today. Um, so many stories, I wish we could just talk, and uh, he will, he'll be sharing a few things, but this young man, I reached over to him earlier, and I just told him, I'm so proud of him, and I am, he's such a wonderful father, a husband, and he's grown into such a wonderful minister, and uh, I'm thrilled that our church had a little bit to do with that many, many years ago. We love him, so as you're giving today, you're giving to a missionary who's on the road in the U.S. and around the world, and we're helping him today stay on the road, and I, my heart is not to just give an offering, but to literally meet a need in his life, so let's do that, and thank you as well for those who are faithful to pay your tithe today. Father, we come to you. We thank you. We honor you. We ask your blessings to be upon our gifts today as we give in honor of the work you've done in this young man's life and in the hearts and lives of those he ministers to. We're thankful to be a part of that today, and we want to make an investment in the kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name for what we've received as we give. Amen. Rob?
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what an amazing opportunity to be here at Stratford Heights this morning. Um, as, as Pastor Ray said, I'm from Georgia, but, but let me clarify something. My house is in Georgia, but my home is right here in Ohio. This will, this will always be home. I grew up in Butler County. I graduated from Lakota High School. I spent 14 years in this church. Um, growing up, a really good kid, being influenced by all the bad kids, and true story. Uh, and uh, it's just such an honor to be here. I, I see so many faces, and I've had so many amazing memories leading up to this. And um, we we grew up with teen talent, and. Uh, not only did we grow up with teen talent, we like straight up dominated teen talent. They were afraid to see Harlem Park show up for teen talent. There you go. Because listen, they knew there were no trophies going back to their church because they would all be coming to our church, right? And uh, that's just the way that it went. And I, I don't apologize for it, and I'm not going to call anybody up and say I'm sorry. That's just the way that it was. They should have called... They, we, they should have done better. We were, you, we were, I said earlier in first service, we were like the Golden State Warriors of 80, 80s teen talent. We just, we dominated, all right? And then I asked if we were too close to Cleveland for me to say that. Um, but I, I want to show you a, a couple things. My daughter, where's Aaliyah? Where you at, Aaliyah? Raise your hand. Hey, right there. My daughter Aaliyah is with me today, and uh, so honored to have her. She is on her spring break, and uh, she is a, Stand up, Aaliyah. There's Aaliyah. Aaliyah is a, uh, a freshman in college, and anybody want to guess what she's studying? Music. She's uh, carrying on uh, what, what is a mantle and a, and a, a call on our family's life, and I'm just very, very proud of her. Um, but my wife and uh, my son, Trey, could not be here, and um, so I brought a picture. Can we put up that first picture? Uh, I want, want you all to see, there's my wife, Jen, and there's my son, Trey. Now, uh, my dad is Charles Novell. I'm Charles, Charles Robert Novell. I am Charles Robert Novell II, and I go by my middle name, Rob. That's Charles Novell III, and we call him Trey for the third. And then there's my daughter, Leah, again. And luckily, prayerfully, the, my first two kids look like their mama. My child on the bottom took, that's the one that took after me. So... Bella right there looks like her, her daddy. So that's my family, and I just wanted to share them with you since they couldn't be here. And then I, I found another picture that I wanted to share. Go ahead and put that second picture up. There we are dominating teen talent. That right there, that was a, uh, a large vocal ensemble. Are any of them people in here? There's Angie, and there's Sean. Anybody else? can't see you. Y'all in these rock and roll lights around here. Um, stage lights. Uh, okay, so um, that was just special, special times. And, you know, uh, driving up here, I just, I wondered, have you ever seen those pictures where, like, later in life they recreate the same pose? They sit in the same place and wear the same clothes? I wondered what this picture would look like if we could get everybody back together. This is what it would look like if we all got back together. Look at Angie right there. Look at her. Look how cute she is. I wish Jill Horn was here. Look at Jill right in the middle on the front row. Um, but, all right, <laughs> you could take that down. And somehow I got to get into the word after that. Um, you could take that down. And, uh, but what, golly, just what an honor. See, there's so many firsts for me here in, in, at this church. This is where I leaned at, I kneeled at the altar for the first time and got saved. Amen. And the second, and the third, and the fourth. Recently, I ran into somebody, and they said, you're Pentecostal, right? I said, yeah. They said, you guys believe in backsliding? I said, so much we practice it. Yeah. But no, this is the place where I, I sat and, and, and received Christ into my life. And uh, then at age 14, I felt a call on my life in this church to go into ministry and specifically to go in, into music. And one thing you guys may not know about my dad, a lot of you don't know me or my dad. Um, those that do know dad, 
Dad was 14, and he, was, he grew, grew up in Virginia. He was picking strawberries for a farmer after school to make some extra money. He was 14 and was picking strawberries, literally, when God called him into the music ministry. And I just shared with you here in this church, I have a similar testimony. Uh, God called me into to music at 14 so I wouldn't have to pick strawberries. So, uh, but just so much heritage here. And, and man, I, I, I love Pastor Ray. And he was a little ahead of me, in the, not much, but a little bit ahead of me in the youth group. And, and he, I, I really looked up to him. And I remember him when he had the beard. And I wanted to grow up and be as cool as Ray. So this is my Ray starter kit right here. This is my Pastor Ray starter kit, my, my, my little beard. And then, uh, so Pastor Ray, thank you. This is such an honor. And Pastor Richard, I've, I've uh, got to know him over the years. We used to come up with our, our Master's Commission Discipleship Program and minister in, in, uh, in youth. And then Gary, um, Gary's family, literally, he's my cousin. And um, Gary got all the talent, but I got all the looks. So um, this section is my favorite over here. <laughs> so far, they're my favorite. Uh, but... Uh, what an amazing man. What an amazing talent. Just celebrating 29 years. I told, I told Gary on the phone the other day, the only thing I've consecutively done for 29 years is wear this pair of socks right here. I mean, 20, that's, that's, that's huge. That's saying so much. Uh, but he grew up, my, my mom and dad used to have a group with Ron Medley called the Regents. And Gary, Gary was part of that group growing up playing uh, bass guitar, and I remember as a kid looking up to him and idolizing him and um, thinking he was a star. And I told him before church this morning, I asked him if he knew what a star was. A star is a flaming ball of gas. Uh, so I'm not calling him that. I'm just saying I told him what a star actually was. But I did. I looked up to him, and I wanted to grow up and, and play music and and, and I uh, aspired to, to be like Gary. So it's an honor to be here. And thank you, Gary, for uh, just being a mentor figure for me. So thank you so much for that. Um, can we have just a little bit of fun before I, I bring just a quick word? Is that okay? Can we have fun on a Sunday morning? So um, uh, a very, very special song to me, and it's, it's my favorite song, is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And um, this song is special to my family. It was my grandmother, Novell's. Uh, favorite song, and I remember as a kid when we would go see Granny in Virginia, um, you know, the, the most amazing thing, uh, the enemy can try and try and try. He can't steal our joy. He can't steal our, our salvation. He can't steal our memories. He can't steal our thought, and I remember going home, and uh, I, I slept on the hideaway, the pull-out sofa in the family room, and I remember at night hearing my, my Granny sing, and this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and and then she'd get to praying and speaking in tongues. And I remember one night I rolled around, and I'll never forget it. I, I looked through the crack in her door, and she was at her vanity just brushing her hair. I'd never seen my grandmother with her hair down. And watching her brush her hair sing this song. So this was her favorite song. This was my dad's first song that he played in the very first teen talent. My dad won the very first national teen talent um, that they ever had. And uh, he walked out on the stage in Memphis, Tennessee, and played this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the uh, head judge at the time um, uh, stood up and said, will you tell that young man from, uh, from Virginia to come back out here and play us another song? And that gentleman's name was A.T. Humphreys. And uh, A.T. was connected with the Church of God there at Lee, directing, I don't know if it was campus or Lee, or, or ladies at Lee, maybe. He was over one of the choirs. But uh, A.T. Humphreys also worked for the Blackwood Brothers organization. And um, about two weeks later, my dad gets a call because of that teen talent thing from the Blackwoods organization. And that's kind of how dad got off into that side of his music and in gospel music and everything that we've been able to, to do there. Um, and this song was just, just really, really special to him. So my first teen talent, uh, I, I did this song. But before even that, this was the very, very first song that I ever learned how to play. And I just, I want... I want, want to know if I can kind of show you how this song has moved through life with me. And uh, is that okay if we just kind of go through this a little bit? So when I, when I first started, um, I was, uh, so the year is 1974. I'm five years old. And um, 
they had to have me on the piano bench when I could balance there. And this is how uh, my, my favorite song s sounded the first time that I played it. So, so that's what a friend the first time I ever played it. And then my dad, my mom, my mom's name is, is Barb Novell. And I'll never forget coming out of my second lesson with dad. And he goes running through the house screaming for my mom. He's like, Barb, Barb, this is a boy genius. After two lessons, he's playing with both hands. He was so excited. So I was, I was playing now with both hands, and here's how, here's how it sounded. Hang on. Here it goes. All right, so, so that was it. That was with two hands. And then, um, uh, so then, does anybody remember this? So I wanted to see if I could make my one song sound like that. Okay, so I, I went home and was messing around. All right, so then it sounded, it, it sounded like that, and then... Um, Something happened. By now, it's 1977. I'm eight. And um, my dad took us to the movies. And now, it's 1977 in the Church of God, and we went to the movies. But it's okay. He took us three counties over and put paper bags on our head so nobody would recognize us and, w and we would jeopardize our witness. All right, so I went and saw this movie that forevermore changed my life. And I couldn't wait to get home and see if I could make my one song sound like this movie. And, you know, Dad said we were only going three counties over, but to me it felt like a galaxy far, far away. So you get the point, right? You get the point. Okay, so, so then I got a little older, and um, um, y'all, growing up a teenager in the 80s in the Church of God, the struggle was real. There wasn't a whole lot that we could do for youth activities. One of the things that we overdid was roller skating. But we would roller skate to the trumpet of Jesus and all this contemporary Christian music. Couldn't have that worldly secular stuff playing. I tell you where the struggle got even more real. You trying to be a teenager in the 80s, trying to get the nerve up to ask a girl to skate with you on the moonlight skate to Amy Grant. Anybody remember that? We would moonlight to El Shaddai. What's up with that? You know, I, moonlighting to Amy Grant. Amy Grant. But then, so, so I had to come and see if, can I make my song sound like that?
All right. So, so then um, I got a little older, got into my, my teenage years, and I realized that um, sports was not my future. Um, I got stuck in this body. So I really started to think maybe I should pursue this music thing. So there's no way that you really pursue piano without having to play classical music, right? So dad had me on a course of study. And, you know, I forgot about this, and I told Aaliyah when we drove by this morning. I, I, dad, dad, my sister studied too, and, and my piano lessons would start by passing my sister crying at the door. Dad was old school. None of, you know, no timeouts in my generation. Um, I had a spank account as a young kid. Um, so she couldn't handle dad yelling at her. But for whatever reason, I could separate dad from piano teacher for 30 minutes. So dad was afraid because I was starting to show some interest and I'm wanting to do this. So he got us with an outside teacher here in Middletown. And we drove by the apartment this morning. And I was able to show it to Aaliyah. And this, 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 this was an old lady and she looked like Yoda. And she sat three feet from the piano bench. And the reason I know, seriously, it's a little green tent. Um, she, but no, no, she, she was wise in the music she was. That's why I called her Yoda. And, but she sat three feet from the piano. And the reason I know that is every time I would mess up, she'd smack my hands with a yardstick. I mean, old school. Try that these days if you're a piano teacher. No, don't try that. So anyway, I got into this classical. So, the, the last stop on this, and I know you're saying amen, um, I did at 14, I put, this was my first teen talent arrangement too, and this one's just kind of what stuck with me to today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to bring just a quick word with us this morning before we get. Um, I've, Pastor Ray mentioned, I've got some product out there. I've got, man, a brand new CD I'm really excited about. It's all worship music. I have other CDs out there that are just him. Um, some are a combination of both. Uh, I've got some of my dad's stuff out there as well. I've got one I'm really excited called Side by Side. Half of it is my dad, half of it is me. It was an honor to be able to do that CD with him. Um, one thing I want to tell you about real quick, my dad, we have a school of music every summer called the Charlesville School of Music. And if uh, you are aspiring to be better at what you do, or maybe you feel a call in your life and you need, uh, you feel like you need a little more intense training and direction in your music, uh, this is a great opportunity for you. It makes a great gift for grandkids. 
So, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, if you've got some talented kids, this may be a, a good camp for them to come to over the summer, and you can come back and talk to me about that back there. But uh, let's just get into the Word real quick, and uh, this won't be long. I want to be respectful of the time. We're real close. Uh, who, who will give me 10 more minutes? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. That's old, but it works every time. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dr. Weaver, does that work? The 10, 20, 30, 40. I've got some special guests here, Dr. Neil Weaver and Scott Weaver, good friends of mine um, from here in the area. It's an honor to have them in the house. The pageants are back here. They're a singing ministry from Miamisburg, and uh, they came out to be with us this morning. Um, so many friends and families here, and I, I just got myself in trouble by starting. But um, my aunt and uncle, uh, my mom's sister, Glow, uh, they are here with us, and I love them. Thank you guys for coming out and giving Aaliyah someone to sit with this morning. That's very kind of you. All right. Um, so real quick, we're going to, uh, I want to read you this account. Um, my situation in my life, again, I got saved here. God called me into to ministry. But as I, as I started progressing through life, um, I come to find out, you know what? I had a head knowledge of who Christ was, but not a heart knowledge. So you can grow up a minister's kid and be in church. You know, yeah, I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I got drugged to church every time the doors were open. I was here all the time. Heard enough gospel to save me and the world a billion times. But you know what? We can play games. We can lock in but not lock in. And uh, it took God moving me at age 35 to Georgia. Did two things I said I would never do. Here's the first lesson. Don't ever tell God what you're going to do. Spent 35 years saying I'll never live in the South and I'll never do church work. Put me in Atlanta on a church staff. Um, but specifically, he took me there to lead a discipleship program, to lead 18 to 25-year-olds who felt a call in their life to go into ministry, to go there and to train them and lead them to be better disciples of Christ. Day three of the job, God showed me I really wasn't a true disciple of Christ. How's that possible? It's possible. It's possible. No doubt of my salvation, no question. I had already been, the coolest thing with being here, not only did I get saved here and get my heart broke here first time and second time and third, so many firsts here, but this is where God birthed a dream in me, and then a lot of you all helped undergird that dream with faith and let me leave here and chase that dream. And I have literally done everything musically that I wanted to do and have traveled, played music in every state in this country, um, province to province of Canada, cruises to Alaska, all of these neat opportunities with ministries that I've been part of. And I don't question that God was using me with that, but we're, we're going to see here in a, in a little bit, we can have reluctant obedience to God. And he'll bless that and he'll work through that. I mean, I've seen some, I've seen some ministries that weren't living what they're preaching up here out there. And I always questioned and wondered, how in the world is that possible? The Bible says that the, God's word won't return void. The word's more powerful than the messenger. So reluctant obedience, yeah, I think he was moving and flowing through me, but not to the full extent that he wanted. The pipe was a little clogged. The water couldn't come out the way God intended it for it to come out. So I got to Georgia to lead a discipleship program, and all of a sudden realized I wasn't a true disciple. And here's the story that, that showed me that and, and was just eye-awakening for me. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. This is an account of where Jesus calls the first disciples. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets. If you've got a pen, a marker, a highlighter, underline at once, mark at once right there. Um, and if, if you're one of those that don't like to write in your Bible, I heard this said, if your Bible's in good shape, your life may not be. Mark your Bible. Study. Get in the Word. There's no reason for that thing to stay perfectly clean. My Granny Novell that I talked about, I have her Bible. What an awesome blessing. Well, number one, I got to meet Sister Watkins this morning, but for you to receive that gift, what, what I love about Pastor Ray is he's not forgot the heritage of this church. 
And I heard it said this way, if you forget where you came from, you'll never get to where you're going. So I, I got my granny's Bible, and what's my favorite part about it? Where she wrote in the front, this book will either keep sin out of your life or sin will keep you out of this book. Mark your Bibles. We're writing it. So let's go on. Uh, at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were in a boat with their father preparing their nets. Jesus called them, Mark this one, and immediately they left and followed, uh, left their father and followed him, being Jesus. Here's where God showed me. I answered the call just like these disciples did. But what they did was at once and immediately, they let go of their nets. Not me. If I have a title this morning, it's, what's your net worth? All right? It's not monetary. This isn't this, you know, little transplanted Pentecostal Yankee now in a non-denominational church in Georgia coming up here preaching prosperity. What's your net worth? See, for me, I held on. I didn't let that net go. So I start walking through life, and who knows, as you walk through life long enough, stuff happens. You face things. You face battles. Isaiah doesn't say, if you go through the floods and fires. What's it say? When you go through the floods and fires. So I, I, I'm dragging that net along. Apparently to me, my net was worth something. And let go of that net. So God had to search me. I had to search myself. And I had to see at what point did I drop the ball. At what point was I missing out on what God wanted to do in my life? It's like uh, the story I heard of a lady in Ireland. She was the first lady to have her house wired for electricity. And they came in and, and installed everything, and they showed her how to use it, and they left. And they come back after a month uh, to, to read the meter and what? Give her her first bill. And um, the guy checked the meter. He come and knocked on the front door, and he said, um, Ma'am, is your electric working okay? And she's like, marvelous. It's beautiful. It's the best thing ever. And he said, well, according to the meter, it's not ran that much. And I just needed to see if it was broke. And she's like, no, it's not broke. I use it every day. So he's scratching his head, and he's like, I better go back out and check this meter again. He goes out there, looks at the meter, and the meter's fine. So he goes back and knocks on the door again. He says, ma'am, do you mind me just asking you a couple more questions? You say it works perfectly. You use it every day, but yet it doesn't show much, much usage. What's going on? Can you explain to me how you use it? She said, sure. She said, every day, about 30 minutes before sundown, I turn the lights on long enough to go around the house, light all the candles, and then I cut the lights off. Here's the deal. She was connected to the source but wasn't using the power. That's where I found out what I found out about my life and discipleship and where I was at that moment in my life. So tap in. Use that power that God gives you. One other account, I love the Gospels because they show us the same story over and over. It's kind of kind of like sports. I told them in, in the first service, my priorities are God, my wife, my kids, music, um, basketball, Bearcat basketball. Sorry, Gary. I'm sorry. Um, and, and what I love about sports is this. If there's a play and they have to go to instant replay, what do they do? They look at multiple camera angles to find the perfect view to make the call. That's kind of how the Gospels work. We can see some of the same stories, but from different angles. And I love Luke's account here where Jesus calls the first disciples. Uh, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little further from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the, the nets wouldn't fill it. They began to break and the boats began to, to sink. So they signaled their partners and other boats, boats to come help them bring in all of these fish. Uh, well, you know the story, just an amazing story. But again, this is where Jesus is calling his first disciples to follow him. And uh, what we see in this story is a couple different things. Washing the nets signifies that they were quitting. Right in the middle of their situation, they're throwing in the net. They're folding it up, washing it, and putting it away. 
whatever it is you're going through. I asked you a few minutes ago when I was playing, whatever it is you're going through, don't quit. Don't give up. Just like this story, your blessing may just be a boat ride away. Be patient. Be faithful. Don't throw in the net. The other thing that I see here is this reluctant obedience again. If you look, I read from you out of the NIV, if you look at the King James or the New King James Version, which, you know, the King James, if it was good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for us, you know. Um, With the King James, here's what it says that Jesus told him to put out the nets, and Peter put out a net. Reluctant obedience. He responded. He put out a net. What happened? God blessed him, right? But what happened? Too many fish, one net. Jesus said net. Here's the deal. When Jesus tells you something, he knows what he's doing. Don't question him. He's Jehovah Elohim, God over everything. Get out of the way. And let him be God. I love Isaiah 46 and, and 15 in the Message Bible. It says, to whom will you compare me, the incomparable? Can you picture me without reducing me? We don't need to look at our mountain and, and worry about the size of our mountain. We need to tell our mountain about the size of our God. The mountain-moving God that can move any obstacle in our way. So whatever you're facing, don't quit. Don't give up. There were so many times in my life, and I don't have time to get into it. Maybe, Pastor Ray, if you'll let me come back sometime, I can really share a little more. But um, I found myself in the middle of a situation. And what God has taught me is there's significance to your middle. Whatever that middle is, there's significance to it. Right in the middle of service while ago, the Holy Spirit showed up. There's significance to the middle. But think about this. Who wants to be on the beach right now? Enjoying the sunshine and smell of sand and all that goes with it, right? All right? Seashore is beautiful, right? Get out there in the middle of that ocean. It's treacherous. The fish are swimming. The big fish, the hungry fish, the big teeth are swimming. They're coming. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. The middle can be tough. I love the story in Joshua where the children of Israel are crossing the Jordan. You know the story. They cross the river. But here's the here's unique thing about that. On the other side, once they come to the river, they face their largest, they're staring at their obstacle, what's standing between them and their blessing. Once they get across, then what's God tell them? Literally, to go back into the middle of the river, reach down Grab 12 stones and build a monument to to speak of the goodness and mighty hand of God. Monuments point the future to the future. You may today need to reach right down in the middle, whatever it is that you're going through, and grab a stone and start building a monument for for that enemy that's trying to fight you to see greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Second thing real quick, um, let Jesus in your boat. Second thing we see in the story is Jesus had to get into the boat before the miracle could take place. Again, quit trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to do it on your own. Deuteronomy 31 and 16 in the Amplified, which as a musician, that's one of my favorite Bible. (coughs) Be strong, fear not, God. Oh, my goodness, yeah, I'm about to lose it now. Uh, God goes with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will not, as the Amplified says, fail you. He's got your back. Ask him into your boat. Let him steer. Let him direct. Get a vision for your, your boat. One of my tattoo favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11, that says God has a plan for our lives, plan to prosper us, not to harm us. Line up a vision for where you're going in your walk with Christ. Last thing, they had to lean on other boats, so lean on other boats in your life. You're doing the first thing right, and that's being in this church. You're in a great church. How do you lean on other boats? You sit here and and shoulder to shoulder with other like believers. I 
I said in, in the previous service. I normally just say this to young people, but um, I feel like at times I need to say it to adults. You may need to take friend inventory of your life. The people you're running with, the people you're hanging with, are they building you up? Are they taking you somewhere that you need to go? So look around. Put people around you that can build you up. I like to say it this way. We need a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas relationship walk in life. We need a Paul. We need someone that's pouring into us. You have an amazing man of God and an amazing staff here at this church that is pouring into you and giving you, giving you sound, truthful, and unwatered-down word of God. Right here. Everything is true from cover to cover in this book. We don't omit things. We don't leave things out. And you've got a shepherd leading this flock that preaches that way. So that's the, the first most important thing. But then you need people you are pouring into. There's definitely a mantle of teaching on my family. And my dad has taught and influenced, and, and now that's something that I'm doing. And my daughter is music education. It, there's a mantle of teaching. I love influencing other people. Again, a lot of cool things that God has allowed uh, me to do by his grace and mercy. But here's what I take more pleasure in. Some of my students, Phil Stacy, that went on to be number six on American Idol. His brother that ended up writing music for EA Sports video games. Another student of mine that co-conducts the Nashville Symphony. Man, I'm more proud of their accomplishments because I got to make a difference in their life. I got to speak into them encourage them and just as many of you in this room and many that were in this room before spoke into a you know a little rowdy kid at Harlem Park and encouraged me to go after my dreams I've been able to do that the same so those are those Timothy relationships and then Barnabas we need to have friends we need to have people close to us that that uplifts us people that invest in us so when we're going through a hard time we can we can make what? We can make a withdrawal on that investment or vice versa. They may really need to lean on you in a situation. I like to look at it as the ATM. If you need to get money out of the ATM, you go up, you put your card in, you get the money out, right? You don't get money out unless you've what? Deposited money in. So our relationships with each other help build us up. This is how we strengthen and walk our walk with Christ and, and our, our walk of discipleship. Um, I want to finish with just one more song. Um, that I just, I feel really, really led. Uh, I, again, I don't know what you're facing today, and I wish time permitted us to, to stay longer. And, but but I, I know this. There's a way maker. There's a problem solver. There's a, a way out, a light in the darkness. And this is something you don't have to face on your own. Surrender to him today got one last song and this is kind of a new song so I actually when when I was uh, wrapping this up in the studio I actually had my background vocals sing the verses because I, I don't want when I go out I didn't want you all to miss the message of this song so um, we're gonna I'm gonna close with this and then Pastor Ray you come up and you close as you need to okay
want you to stand with me this morning. As he was playing this song and we were hearing the words, I was thinking back to when in Scripture, when the words of the prophet Moses said, Lord, who shall I say has sent me? He said, you tell them I am. He is everything you need. He is whatever you need. He made water come out of a rock, manna come down from heaven, a river part right down the middle. He stills a storm. He can keep you in the midst of the fire. Everything, everything that you need, any particular deliverance, impossibility. Preaching tonight, the message the Lord laid on my heart, and I felt like everything Rob said this morning is like a prelude. It just, it's part one of part two. The message tonight is he still can do absolutely anything. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, the, the question that the man had when he found Jesus and his son was stricken with a mute spirit and threw himself in the fire and was just had lived a miserable life the man looked at Jesus and he said if you can do anything please have compassion on us and Jesus didn't try to convince him who he was he didn't try to make that better he looked right back at him and and he puts it right back in his face just like he puts it in ours Jesus looked at him and said it's not about whether I can or not he said if you believe I can anything is possible Jesus didn't even address the question can you he said if you believe I can nothing's impossible So as all of this service today has spoken to the need that perhaps is in your heart, questions you have about where you are, what's going on. Lord, do you know where where I am? Do you know where my family is? People that are going through crisis and situation, you never know when you end up in the ER. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Maybe you're at a crossroads in your life and you're trying to figure out what God is speaking. Do I go left? Do I go right? What do I do? What's my next step? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, We won't leave here today until we've had a time where the Lord is able to minister to the very need of your heart. He looks to you and he says, do you believe I can? Do you believe I can part the waters? Do you believe that I can change the situation? Do you believe I can do the impossible? Because if you believe it, then anything is possible. So God asks you right now, what do you need? direction, what what healing, what deliverance, what provision, what do you need? Perhaps you're here today and you need Jesus in your heart. You heard as Rob was talking and maybe you've been raised in church your whole life, you've, you've been around it your whole life, but you've never really made a decision for him. With every head bowed this morning and every eye closed very quickly, if you're here today and you'd say, I need Jesus, would you just lift up your hand? God bless you, I see you. Anyone else? I need Jesus today, Pastor. I want to pray that prayer to receive him in my life, and I'm so glad you asked. Is there anyone else? Thank God for this hand that's went up. A few seconds waiting on you. Are you here and you need to pray today? All right. We're going to pray a prayer to receive the Lord into our lives. One of the greatest prayers we love to pray as a church together. Because it's our privilege to be able to walk you straight up to the throne room of grace. But we can't do the saving. And words is not what does it. It's what comes from your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you are saved. You're born again. So the Lord's fixing to do surgery on somebody. Maybe others of you. You didn't lift your hand, but you want to pray. 
The second prayer is going to be this. It's a prayer that says, God, I need the miracle. I need the answer. I need the provision. I need something. You know what it is.